you feeling over there, CB? Yo, Danny, I am on the couch in Le Chateau. My bod bod is sore. Sore? Feeling sore, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you've been uh, you've been like running hundreds of miles, thousands of miles. Oh uh, yeah, maybe less, but tens yeah. of thousands, <laughs> tens of miles, <laughs> tens of miles. You've tens been running miles. a bunch of miles, and yeah, dude, I've been hanging out at the New Roots. Yeah, yeah, you've been going too, man. We've been at the New Roots with Jesse Coddington. Yeah, New Roots. Shout out New Roots. Shout out Jesse for tolerating a couple of jackalopes. Yeah, over man. there at New Roots. Yeah, just imagine what that's like for him. It's been fun putting on the calendar that it's Lou Ferrigno Day and then uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Day. <laughs> yeah. 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 But he, he clearly placed Arnold above Lou. Yeah, in a conversation, it was kind of like, maybe we won't re- reference Lou Ferrigno anymore. <laughs> yeah, maybe just stick with Arnold. So yeah. you've been going more than me. You've been getting rid of that dad bod. Oh, man. Yeah, I've been at the new roots. Just crutching then the abs. Do you remember the first day we showed up there, though? Yeah, just a couple beta males in the gym trying to figure <laughs> out how to uh, how to navigate that environment. <laughs> I yeah, do remember that. Which started in the first five minutes. It was evident yes. how we didn't know how to navigate that environment. What was it? Oh, he, Jesse told us to warm up on the assault bike, right? Yeah. 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 So we go over to the... I, I, I got to the bikes first, right? Yeah. He asked us to warm up. I get over there first. I sit on one. And the seat was super low, and uh-huh. I, and then I tried to adjust it, and I couldn't get it to adjust, so I just scooted over one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and didn't say anything. Yep. So you ended up on that one. Yeah, me and all my aloofness when I was like, oh, I'll just use this bike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So use it on that one, and then it, the seat suit still super low. Still too low. <laughs> yeah. So when you you shout it over to Jesse, like, hey man, yeah, how do I move the seat on this bike, right? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he even just saw me struggling with it. <laughs> yeah. And what happened from there? So then he asked uh, one of his participants, well, I think is actually someone who works with him at New Roots. He asked Garrett, "Hey, will you go help Doctor Bayless adjust <laughs> the seat on his bike?" <laughs> just to drive the point home. Just to drive the point home. Couple oh, of beta males. Couple beta males, man. We're just doing our best. Oh man, that was a lot of fun. Though. That was a good time. I, lo- I live for those moments. It was definitely yes. Button game strong, man. That's the Beyond Flag favorite. Yeah, it's been good though, man. It feels good, huh? No doubt. Yeah, feels sore in a good way. Sore in a good way. Yeah, just doing something new. Yeah. Um, beyond just running tens of miles. Yeah, that tens of thousands. You tens of thousands man, of don't minimize. You've been, you've been <laughs> crushing them miles out there on those trails, those muddy trails. It's muddy trails. Yeah, a lot of outbacks on Old Walnut Canyon Road right now. Yeah, your fave. My fave, man. Yeah, no doubt. Love it out there. Every inch of that memorized now? Yeah, I feel it's a little bit redundant at this point. Yes. Is that where you saw the bobcat? I did. Yeah, Yeah. I saw a bobcat out there. I've seen coyotes, foxes. Yeah. uh, Rabbits. Yeah. Lots of squirrels. Yeah. 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 Predator and prey. Predator and prey. I know, man. That bobcat took off. He knew who was the predator in that situation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you told me the story, it didn't, didn't sound yeah. exactly that way. Oh, I jumped right off the road. I, yeah, made some sort of noise. Even one of the bobcats running running away from you. <laughs> yeah. It's going the other way. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Dude. Well, so we're on social media number two, huh? Yeah, let do. Man, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, a lot of meat. Yeah, yeah, we're going to try and get into a lot of things about social media today. Yeah, so basically we concluded with uh, social media is massive. It's growing exponentially. It's Mm -hmm. not going away. Yeah. It's been about 10 years since the merger of FaceMash. 
face mash come and, on and instagram yeah 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 so, so and it had the whistle blown on it yeah had yeah. the whistle blown on it had the whistle year. blown on it yeah yeah francis haugen francis haugen yeah yeah. So it was kind of fun to think about this idea of like just social media being like a fourth grader, right? <laughs> yeah, like a 10 year old. Like, yeah, it's really just a 10 year old out in the world just running rampant. It's like a fourth grader given a driver's license and, <laughs> and a, a black American yeah. Express. Yeah, here's your, here's your, here's your MX and uh, just go do whatever you want. It's just finding itself uh, at the equivalent of Shaky Drake's these days and <laughs> just infiltrating and destroying everything you're just driving around town doing the stump grinder over a maloney's stump grinding at maloney's yeah <laughs> wherever it wants man it's just getting around there's nothing to check this little fourth grader right yeah unregulated yeah. unchecked yeah for sure so it's kind of fun to think of uh yeah social media as this fourth grade human <laughs> yes yeah it's also funny this is a tangent but uh when when we when they go when social media has to sit in front of congressional panels and they ask questions like where is the algorithm yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. So it's like a fourth grader <laughs> yeah. that uh, people don't really understand. That people don't understand. Yeah. yeah. Just bouncing off the walls, man. Yeah. Bouncing off the walls. Oh, for sure. Well, so then today we wanted to specifically go over what influence does it have on mental health? What influence does it have on cognitive functioning? Yeah. What influence does it have on us psychologically? Yeah. Yeah, so like for today, right, getting into the way that it's sort of developed or how it's designed mm -hmm. and then looking specifically at its effects on mental health, positive findings, negative findings, uh, neutral findings, does that exist? We'll see. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Real cliffhanger there. <laughs> I, you know, uh, you actually had a suggestion for us to go into that I thought it was a really good idea. Mm -hmm. So to go into a bit about how social media can lean into some of... Um, I guess, I don't know whether vulnerabilities is a good word for it because the brain just has so many things that are benefits mm -hmm. and things that could be potential detriments and they're both double-edged swords. Like they're things that could be good or bad. Yeah. But social media has certain ways that it kind of hacks into the brain, right? Yeah, it really does. You know, for me, I just think of our brains of having evolved like in a really useful way over time. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's just in this brilliant way in which we have all these capacities for things like language, problem solving, judgment, uh, judgment planning your number two strength finder um, <laughs> hashtag judgment yeah hashtag judgment go judgment um all of those things right but then with it there are also sort of these weaknesses or i would refer to them as vulnerabilities i guess mm -hmm. um and so one way to think about it is you know we use our brains to shape our environments mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then our environments when we engage them then shape our brains mm -hmm. so there's like this really strong reciprocal effect there mm -hmm. And so we've created a virtual environment that we engage in a particular way. And then as a, as a result of that, that virtual environment has had a pretty profound effect on our brain. Yeah. Yeah. So the effect of the brain on the environment and the environment on the brain is reciprocal. And we have this whole new environment that wasn't previously established. Yeah, exactly. And so one way that it really has, I don't know if we want to use this word, but like captivated or captured us in some way is that it affects us to encourage repeated behavior. By tapping into our reward system mm -hmm. and i don't want to go too far into the reward system i think for our listeners just knowing there's a there's a strong neurochemical effect yeah talking about that dopamine hit getting that dope <laughs> gotta cope with the dope <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so yeah for the brain there's a like a pretty major dopamine hit particularly in structures or in networks related to motivation 
and uh, behavior. Yeah. So, so we know that when like a dopamine hit comes, it's really rewarding. It feels really pleasant, pleasurable, yeah. right? It's that nice, nice. Yeah. And so then when something creates that, we either crave it or want to repeat it or get access to that sensation again. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally. So we kind of go back to that thing. And then the more that we engage that thing over time, what it does is it trains our patterns of thinking, mm-hmm. trains our patterns of feeling, mm-hmm. motivations, behaviors, attention, that sort of thing. And then it tends to line up with what that environment is intended mm-hmm. to produce. Mm-hmm. So when, uh, when social media pushes that dopamine button, it drives us back into saying, Hey, I want this thing again. I want yeah. to do this again. And eventually behavior changes. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, eventually the dopamine <laughs> slows down and it kind of, yeah, comes in a lesser effect over time. Yeah. But, but, but if your behavior is changed, you can fall into habits and patterns of behavior that were created from that even when the dopamine reduces. Yeah, exactly. So it creates this cycle. And just like you're saying, and with that cycle, it's kind of thinking of like the image of a merry-go-round is mm-hmm. that it just gets more and more neural momentum. Mm-hmm. And then that, be- that behavior becomes more and more automatic. And the awareness of choice is really reduced over time. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then how, do, how does that affect us? So what are, what are the outcomes of the way that social media can lean into this? For sure. So there's six different ways in which, uh, you know, again, I would call my brain hacks or something to that effect. But the first one that social media works on is what's referred to as the urgency effect. Mm -hmm. And so social media works by triggering the salience network of the brain, which activates in response to threats and opportunities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this might look like getting a notification on the phone that alerts you to something. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it triggers this, um, this network that thinks that this thing needs to be tended to mm-hmm. now. Like mm-hmm. there's a sense of urgency to it. Yeah. False sense of urgency. So those notifications that pop off uh, up on the phone, they create this sensation. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. it's kind of like, Oh, I need to get to this, but actually the content is probably really trivial and not important. Oh yeah. 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 Like, uh, like if someone got a notification that there was like a new beyond, <laughs> beyond the pines tweet or <laughs> <Yes>. something. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the one they may think oh this is urgent yeah and totally. there could be nothing further from the truth totally so this like uh, red bang pops up on the phone and there's the there's the ding and then they got to tend to it and it's btp new tweet and it's kind of like oh i gotta get to this but really the content of that tweet is not <laughs> worth checking so like yeah we can guarantee that we guarantee that yeah yeah, yeah. so that's one way another uh, way yeah you you good if we just ping pong these yeah yeah yeah. So another way is it encourages a seeking without fulfillment. So there's this phenomenon where you can go spend time on social media, consume social media in activities that you may have an aspiration for or be attracted to in some way. And you just watch that activity over and over again. So it provides endless opportunities for seeking and wanting, but it can inhibit experiences of actually going and pursuing and taking action Mm. Uh, yeah yeah before we were recording this you're talking about the kind of the van life on youtube as being an example of this yeah 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 i actually listened to a podcast a while back that discussed how um people are found going online and consuming material that they're paralyzed with taking action towards and, and, uh, mm. like remodeling a van was one of them yeah. or, uh, like cooking is another one mm. where people will watch endless cooking videos and never cook a new recipe. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. So it's always yeah. this seeking and wanting without mm. the act uh, the practical action. Yeah. I remember this line that in this model, wanting begets more wanting, yeah. not doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Okay. 
Um, the third one that social media, it forces us to uh, multitask. And so I always think of the brain as being super complex, but again, in a lot of ways it's limited. And one of those ways it's limited is it's super subject to distraction. So social media works by flooding the brain with new images, new information, and requires us to switch attention from one new thing to the next. But in doing so, what happens is there's this thing that's referred to as an attention residue mm -hmm. that gets left. Mm -hmm. So when you look at a new image, it's like the residue from the previous image is still there, which doesn't allow you to fully focus on what's before you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is so important. I mean, I think, I think social media is one way this gets played out in modern society, but there's so many ways like multitasking isn't a thing. Multi-attention is not a thing. Yeah. Right? It doesn't exist. Yeah. It's like, uh, you're tuned to one thing or another mm -hmm. and you, if you're quickly toggling back and forth, yeah. you're dealing with a lot of residue and, and limited focus in that. Totally. Yeah. In, in like you're saying, not fully in either of those places from an attentional standpoint. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, a fourth thing is it weaponizes fear and anxiety, Ooh, right? <laughs> yeah. Man, that's strong. Yeah. yeah. So first of all, you have access to all this global information that you didn't have access to previously. Hmm. And secondly, um, negative information, it, it sticks around. It, it, it has more salience in your thinking pattern than does positive information. And there's, you know, there are obvious reasons for that. There's an evolutionary advantage to um, taking in negative information so that you can try to avoid that in the future or that you can avoid anything that would create risk. Mm. Um, and so it's easy to focus on those things. And social media happens to be like a really suitable platform yeah. to pass along information where it's easier to consume that negative anxiety provoking or fear inducing mm. information. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It seems that like that outrage sort of thing really influences behavior much more than maybe something that is positive. Yeah. Like, nature. uh, yeah, a lot of media, right. Whether it's social media, traditional media, or just information mm. passed amongst people in town. Um, yeah. it's the, the salacious story, the polarizing or controversial story is the thing that actually gets discussed. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just thinking of the news, like you're saying. Yeah. yeah. The fifth one um, is social media kind of creates this environment by which we find ourselves constantly comparing ourselves to other people. Mm -hmm. So there's this constant social comparison. And really, it's only natural as social animals, as hominids, that we routinely understand our position in the world relative to others through comparison. Mm -hmm. And so there's this phenomenon also by which we sort of default to upward comparison. Mm -hmm. So we look at um, people who we perceive to be greater than our own self or have someone more desirable than, than what we have. And then we compare ourselves to them. Mm -hmm. And then what that results in is a lot of envy, anxiety, self-doubt. And then <laughs> an approach to the world is driven by ego and tainted by melodrama. <laughs> Getting that <laughs> ego and that melodrama with a twinge of melodrama. With a twinge in there. of melodrama. That's kind of fun to say. Yeah. 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 Not hyperbolic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, the last one is that it kind of tells you what you want. So that we've, we went over the algorithm, right? And um, when you click on something or spend more time with something, you're going to get more information that goes in that direction and go further mm -hmm. and further. And social media, when you're quickly consuming stuff, especially if you happen to be toggling back and forth, you're going to fall into the desirability effect and the confirmation bias. 
So um, yeah. the de desirability bias is where you'll look for information that's desirable to you. So we actually, just all of us, have these blind spots where we're the stuff that we're looking to see will be easier for us to see than any information contradictory to that. And then evidence supporting what we believe or what we want to believe, we'll find that evidence. And when we do that, our brains, without us knowing subconsciously, will dismiss evidence or data or any oppositional arguments to what we want to perceive and understand. And social media is great at this. Yeah. Yeah. So really finds the thing that you want and or expect to see and then mm -hmm. gives you more of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then naturally we avoid information that would go against that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. So then what's, what's, what's the quick take <laughs> on this then? These six ways that your brain kind of can lean into and be hacked a bit by social media. What's the takeaway? Yeah, for me, it's just there's a just a lot of ways in which it's designed, right? That operate on brain hacks that result in us engaging social media in a more compulsive way, which uh, again kind of results in less awareness and less choice. Mm -hmm. And then, so for me, you know, if we have a little bit of an understanding on how it works, what keeps us engaged, the thing for me would be like, you know, what type of effect does it have? Mm -hmm. I'd wonder almost like on mental health. What is the, uh, what does the science tell us? What does the science tell us? The yeah. hard science of social science. Yeah. What are the hard, not soft social sciences? <laughs> what does it say? So, yeah. What does the research say? That's what the question comes back to. Right. Yeah. And, and so I actually, you and I talked about this and I think it'd be valuable for us to understand just how social science research occurs and where you can find reliability and, and, and um, validity mm -hmm. and maybe we should even just define those two things right and yeah. so even when there's a finding there's a degree of reliability to the finding and a degree of um, validity to it validity yeah. yeah i'm gonna put you on the spot do you want to define those two? oh man I'm, I'm going back so to much. each little piece study here huh? <laughs> um reliability i remember was a characteristic of a test right yeah in which it would consistently produce results mm. is that right yeah so it's basically reliability is the yeah exactly it's the degree to which a test is consistently testing the thing that it says it is yes and how well it matches up yeah yes and then validity is a characteristic of data in yeah. which decisions made upon the data match or yeah. are or i guess uh what's the right word appropriate yeah something mm -hmm. to that effect yeah yeah and so it's, yeah, so what conclusions are made or what the results and outcomes showed validly represented what was attempted. There we go. So measuring what we want to measure and then the data we collect is decisions can be made upon that yeah. with confidence. So, so then there are degrees to which when, when a study is done, there are degrees to which reliability or validity is compromised. There's no objectivity 100%, right? Yeah, yeah. And so understanding a bit about research can help us understand when we consume research what has validity and reliability to it. And yeah. so uh, I, I think this is important to go into because um, survey research is a predominant form of research methodology used when looking at the, at the relationship between mental health and social media. Yeah. And so to go on, into a couple of just terms about that. So first of all, you have to be conscientious of what you're sampling. Hmm. So if you want to know what the relationship between mental health and social media usage is, the easiest or the most accurate way to do that would be to uh, just uh, 
and evaluate every single person that's ever used social media. Mm. Not, not super doable. How likely is that? <laughs> it's not <laughs> right. Yeah. So then you have to create a sample and there's what's referred to as probability sampling and non-probability sampling and probability of sampling is when you go through a series of steps to try and ensure that the, the people that you're evaluating represent what you're wanting to represent in the entire population. So how representative that smaller group of people is of the whole group of people that you want to understand more about. Okay. Right? Non-probability is more random hmm. where a lot of measures aren't taken um, to ensure that the sample rep accurately represents the whole group. Okay. And so already right there, if you were to do non-probability versus probability, you're going to have the potential for more error in that sample group being somewhat different in some way than the entire population that you're wanting to assess. Gotcha. So probability standpoint, if I want to understand the attitudes of people who are in the adolescent age range, mm -hmm. if I sample a bunch of people in their seventies, probably not the best. Yeah. yeah. But if you did non-probability sampling on an electronic survey survey, there could be someone that had a fake profile and mm -hmm. completes it. Right. Okay. Um, or just somehow someone gets into the survey. Um, okay. So, so that, that's a nut, that's kind of the next point. So electronic surveys, they have the massive benefit of accessibility, mm. but when doing an electronic survey, you're also limiting the reliability and the validity of the sample. Okay. Um, and then lastly, self-report data <laughs> yeah. that's collected. Yeah. What are you laughing at? Oh, uh, just, I uh, think of people's ability to have awareness and what's actually going on for them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so when you collect survey data, you're asking people for their opinion. If you're asking for their opinion of themselves, that's potentially compromised by the degree of self, uh, of self-awareness mm -hmm. or by subjective biases from one person to another. So my seven on a happiness scale from one to 10 may be different than your seven yeah. on a happiness scale from one to 10. Yeah. And so when you collect self-report data on a survey, it's a bit compromised. Yeah. So going over these yeah. things, yeah. I think is important because essentially you're, some of these are the most prominent ways that data is collected about mental health and social media. Yeah. And what I hear you saying is there are some problems here. Potentially. Yeah. We yeah. might not want to fully invest all the way into yeah. these. Potentially. Just because of some of the methods here. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing you mentioned too is that correlational studies are often used. Yeah. Um, so what's a correlational study? What is it in contrast to? Yeah. So correlational studies essentially are when you, you identify two variables, mm -hmm. define them and then look at the relationship between them. Mm -hmm. So with correlational studies, you don't really determine what causes one or the other. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like what's going on with these two things mm -hmm. as one increases, what happens to the other, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so for instance, if we had happiness and time spent on social media, the two variables are happiness and social media boom blammo come on dr dunny <laughs> and then seeing it more time on social media is correlated with more or less happiness so as time goes up on social media do we see more happiness less happiness yeah time goes down on social media do we see more happiness or less happiness yeah and if that's correlational we don't know if there's some confounding variable or other artifact that informs that right we don't know that one causes the other it's not an experimental design exactly it's just that the two exist right yeah. so how about this one yeah ice cream sales and robberies all right so let's look at the correlational statistical significance yeah but are they likely related indirectly by another 
third variable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, what do you think? Summer. Summertime. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> do you remember this from, I remember this from grad school. It does. Sound, yeah. yeah there's a, there's a positive correlation. So yeah. ice cream sells go up mm-hmm. the exact same time the robberies go up. Mm-hmm. I mean, not exact, but yeah, closely. So they're correlated. There's a positive correlation. Both have an elevation or an increase in numbers. Yeah. Um, at similar time frames. Yeah. And yeah. then the compounding variable is what? Uh, the season of the year. The season of the year. The summer, right? The summer is really the variable that probably influences those. Yeah. Or has a cause on those. For sure. Um, rather than those two actually having a, a, a direct relationship, they have an indirect relationship. Right. So that kind of brings this question to me is like, who knows if more social media use causes mental health issues or if increased mental health issues actually lead to more mm-hmm. social media use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're just looking at these relationships. Yeah. So all of this I think is really helpful because you started by saying there's these ways that our brains kind of get hacked into with the way that social media operates. And that's true. That yeah. stuff is true. But then when the question becomes, well, what is what does the soft science say? What are the results of research going on right now? Yeah. There are all these complexities that make it difficult to ascertain uh, the validity of results um, because it's mostly electronically collected, mm-hmm. randomly sampled, non-probability based sampling yeah. that goes on to collect survey information based on self-report. Yes. And so we have studies and some of it's confounding and some of it's limited in yeah. its validity and reliability, right? Yeah. Just take a take a handful of jello and throw it against the wall. <laughs> yeah. So let's yeah. dip in. Let's dip into what it does show. Okay. Um you were talking about uh this one that this study that actually is really concurrent, right? It happened during the pandemic. Yeah, this study was really fun to read. So this came out um, roughly a year ago, June 2021. Um, And in this study, they surveyed over a thousand people, again, electronic means. And um, they surveyed people between these really specific dates of March 3rd and March 14th, 2021. Mm -hmm. And then with this, they gave each participant the equivalent of $15 per hour to participate. Mm -hmm. And then they also included some couple questions that were essentially used as an attention check. Mm-hmm. So um, they were put in the survey to make sure people were answering thoughtfully, mm-hmm. not just clicking things. Not clicking things to get that $15, yeah. which when you throw in paying survey participants, that's another variable influences. Yeah. There's a type of person that's going to want that $15 and a type of person that doesn't, yeah. which already puts you a little further away from a representation of the actual population, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think they tried to compensate for it by including an de- attention check, but mm-hmm. just like you're saying, that's still going to have an effect mm-hmm. in some, some degree or another. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what, what were the questions of the research? Yeah, they included kind of like three categories. There's uh, social media use and then just general opinions around that, questions on critical thinking, and then a whole like a list of demographic questions. And so I'm, I'm just going to kind of like uh, these findings, just, yeah, rapid fire. Is yeah, that all right? Yeah. So spit them out. Come on. So first thing, just kind of looking at time spent on social media. So again, this took place during the pandemic and 60% of respondents said their social media usage went up since the pandemic began. And then you think of that 60%, 36% noted daily use increased by over one hour. Whoa. Yeah. So just think of tacking one more hour a day on social media during the pandemic for most people. And then from a, from a general standpoint, they found that most people 
spend about 90 minutes on social media. And there was a very small percentage that spent over five hours a day. Whoa. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot of time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so getting into the mental health, they asked questions regarding anxiety, depression, difficulty concentrating, loneliness, and low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And then over half of the total respondents indicated that these feelings were somewhat intensified by social media. And then about a fifth, 20% indicated that they were extremely intensified. Okay. So here we are. This is self-report information, but by self-report, more than 70% of respondents said that um, anxiety, depression, difficulty, concentrating, loneliness, and low self-esteem were intensified. Yes, exactly. And then of those feelings, people indicated having the most trouble with, this was surprising to me, um, anxiety Mm -hmm. was one. And the second one was difficulty concentrating. Mm. I would have thought it would have been depression. If I would have guessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the difficulty concentrating makes sense with toggling back and forth with attention, but depression seems to be what a lot of people reference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and anecdotally, I remember when I was doing those ADHD vows and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing, when the pandemic began, I remember getting like, it just seemed like a flood of requests. But for like, I can't concentrate, I can't focus, I think I have ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. More requests than you had had before the pandemic. Than normal, yeah. Yeah. And then with anxiety and difficulty concentrating, about 60% of people endorse both, at least in moderate degree. Okay. Um, so, yeah, this is, this, we get into some fun stuff here. So when asked about how concerned people were of their use of social media, about 80% reported moderate or greater level of concern. Oh, my gosh. Right. And 50% of that was extremely concerned. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So despite that general acknowledgement of the effect on things like anxiety, concentration, depression, and a high level of moderate concern, people were still ambivalent about taking individual steps to put their screen, uh, to put down their screens or to even limit their use in some way. Um, about 33% took steps to minimize social media use. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like the vast majority is like, I got a problem here. Yeah. And the vast majority is also like, I'm going to let it ride. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just let it ride. <laughs> And this also occurred despite a belief that it would be helpful to do so. So it's like, here's a problem. I think it would be helpful to change. And only one out of three was making some sort of effort to do so. Yeah. Didn't you also say in this study that, um, like people were more concerned about the effects of social media on society than they were on individual use? Yeah, that's exactly right. So all these questions are regarding individual use and then people would reference, but I think it has a greater effect on society. You know, and so then it's kind of like, I'm not going to really do anything about it in my own life, though. <laughs> I think yeah. social media is really yeah. taking a toll or having an influence on, on society, but yeah. not me individually. Not me individually. Let's just go with it, man. <laughs> Let it ride. Let it ride. Yeah. yeah. And then for me, this is like really kind of staggering to read. I thought it kind of fun to question also, but yeah. um, when asked what it would take to get rid of social media permanently, 70% of people, seven out of 10 would say that it would take more than ten thousand dollars <laughs> well twenty oh, percent right ten g's to get me off of this permanently and <laughs> yeah right and twenty percent said it would take more than a million a million <laughs> one dollar bills twenty percent twenty percent one out of five says it would take me more than a million dollars to permanently delete my social media one out of five one mil yeah yeah oh man 
Give Dude, me 1K. I'm out. I was going to ask, what's your number, man? <laughs> like, 1K? Like 1K. Yeah. Have a nice life, social media. I got me a thousand bucks. I'm definitely yeah. on the high side. Which, which I yeah. know, like we yeah. joke about it. I'm yeah. not into it, but also I don't, I do think it gets vilified. So I want to be clear, but these totally. are pretty crazy findings. They are. Like this one for me, I can help but laugh at and also just scratch my head is that, again, what would it take to get rid of your social media accounts permanently? 42% said that they would give up their TV their pet or their car before giving up their social media accounts. Their pet? Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Dude. People just happy to get rid of their pet? Yeah, like, sorry, I'll trade Instagram before I get rid of Poppy. <laughs> like, I'm keeping JoJo. You can have my Instagram. See? Yeah. And you even... Man. Stepped in that poppy poop. Yeah, it was all up in that almond butter poop. Still, doo -doo still, still wouldn't give poppy up. I'd still keep that little canine. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, this study was really pretty staggering to read in a lot of ways. I thought it was really interesting how it's running concurrent with where we are, right? It's mm -hmm. only a year old. Um, and in, in summary, essentially, I think the way I could conclude just looking at it is that social media use rose for a majority of participants. People experience greater effects on anxiety and problems with concentration, experience more concern about their use of social media, were less likely to take steps to reduce their use, and acknowledge it would take quite a bit to get rid of social media. Yeah. Again, so, all despite the effects. So it's pretty staggering. Yeah. So when the question is, what is what does the science show? Mm -hmm. Here's this study that shows all these negative findings. It increases all these unpleasant and negative, both cognitive processes and emotional states. Yeah. Um, and people are inhibited in making change even when they express a desire for change. Totally. That really stands out to me, that ambivalence. Like, yeah. I think it would be good for me to make this change, and yet uh, here I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then uh, we, can't, we can't overlook the fact that we met Goldie Gold through yeah. social media. So yeah. there's, there's got to be positive findings too, right? Totally. Yeah, and just a quick shout out to Goldie Gold. Shout out Goldie Gold. Hope all's well. Hashtag Holmes. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there are studies that show positive findings. Mm -hmm. So there was one that was actually um, for pediatricians that talks about social media development specifically for adolescents, saying that it helps adolescents with um, developmental tasks during that phase of life, including like identity formation, which we know is a cornerstone of that yeah. period of life, yeah. aspirational yeah. development. So gaining ideas for what they want to be. And then peer engagement, right? All these critical elements of that adolescent stage. That's a tough stage of life. Yeah. Yeah. And so social media is actually found to be a facilitator for those three things. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, two thirds of teens report meeting new friends online, which obviously yeah. um, improves peer connection, right? Yeah. Yeah. or the potential for peer connection. Mm -hmm. So there was one study that I'm going to reference. It's from 2015, okay. and it involved, um, it, it did electronic sampling, and it was done uh, with about 1,000 participants, really similar to what you referenced. Okay. Um, and it was probability sampling online coupled also with in-person and online interviewers. And so this okay. had the added benefit of having a structured um, research mm -hmm. um, scientists actually conduct it. Um, it found that teens reported being better connected to the lives and feelings of friends through social media engagement. And that most report they do not feel worse about their lives after viewing content from others. In fact, that's like 78%. Mm. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So teens report that 
Um, online engagement allows them to explore various identities, and this also leads to a report of teens um, feeling less authentic online. So that was an artifact of the study, is they did find that teens say they can kind of explore their identity online, but also they report feeling less authentic online compared to in, in real life. Okay. So that's just an admitted artifact of the study, but yeah. overall they didn't feel worse about their lives, and um, they felt that it helped with uh, social connection yeah yeah okay so then good bad what good bad man that's the question right there huh yeah, yeah so there's some positive effects maybe some negative effects yeah yeah um you know where that takes me is this meta-analysis that was done yeah yeah so <laughs> naturally should we just cover what a meta-analysis is yeah a meta-analysis is another um approach to doing or conducting research in which it essentially takes a bunch of studies that fit a criteria yeah. and then analyze them into one study mm-hmm. by calculating an, an effect size. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that does is it kind of takes a broad range of results and mm-hmm. then kind of gives you a better understanding of what's happening across of all these studies. Yeah. Like you referenced the study where there were these negative outcomes. I referenced one that had these positive outcomes yeah. and ha- there, there's like tens if not hundreds of studies that um, yeah. are similar to those that we just referenced right yeah we could probably just create a table right and yeah. like just go through it yeah. and here's findings from this that are positive here's findings from this that are negative yeah. positive negative positive negative that kind of thing and that's the benefit of the meta-analysis is they actually create pr- parameters to define if the study met the research methodology needed mm-hmm. and lived up to what was expected yeah research methodology wise mm-hmm and then includes them in the study. So yeah, yeah we found this meta-analysis, right? Do you want to give an overview of that one? Yeah, just a quick rundown. I um, was looking at articles related to social media use and its connection to mental health. And so this was published in 2020. And essentially 50 papers were initially found, mm-hmm. shortlisted from research databases. Mm-hmm. And then those 50 papers were judged against inclusion and exclusion criteria. Mm-hmm. Essentially what you're saying, it's not just kind of like, let's look at everything and check a box, mm-hmm. good or bad. Um, and so some of that inclusion criteria was published in a peer reviewed journal and they were published in the last five years Mm -hmm. of that 50, 16 papers then met that criteria Mm -hmm. and were deemed to, uh, were deemed adequate for the, Mm -hmm. for the Mm meta-analysis. Yeah. So then this meta-analysis, these can be valuable ways to look at huge swaths of research studies that meet criteria. So there's, you said 16 out of 50 ended up meeting criteria. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, we got 16 out of 50. And again, this doesn't count all the ones. What's it called? The uh, file drawer or file cabinet effect or something? Yeah. Like all the research that's been done on this that wasn't published. It's yeah. probably still pretty decent research. Yeah. yeah. Or about to be published. Yeah. That yeah. hasn't reached publication yet. Hasn't got there yet. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so this, now we have clear information based on this meta analysis, right? Yeah. This does help. <laughs> what if we do a little bit of tennis here? Huh? We can do some tennis. It, it does make things a bit murky. Yeah, when you're saying now we have a clear understanding, it's actually like, well, yeah, yeah not so, so much. So one of the first studies that yeah. met criteria, uh, I didn't put it on here, I'll just throw it out, okay. was that um, there was no effect. So it wasn't that there was a positive or a negative effect, but there was no effect or correlational relationship between social media use and mental health issues. Okay. So let's yeah. start with that. Okay. So uh, hashtag no effects. <laughs> Cool. So yeah, like in that first, or just going through here, some of the points that we found, you know, one, again, looking at correlation, depression and anxiety continually show up to be correlated in some way with social media use. Like yeah. there is a relationship there. Mm-hmm. 
uh, negative effects are found when the social media use is the primary outlet or the primary source of engagement rather than supplemented by other forms of engagement. Okay. Yeah. Does that mean like in-person connections? Yeah. Or like, yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The next, you know, depression has been found to be correlated with investment in social media, but not necessarily with frequency in social media. Yeah. That one really sticks out to me. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the way you approach it. So th- that t- actually ties into the next one. Um, evidence shows that passive activity where you're just on social media consuming content rather than active activity where you're creating posts and creating your own stuff. Okay. Um, passive activity is found to have is correlated with mental health issues different than active engagement. Mm, okay. So kind of, I almost think of like a scale that's like mindless to mindful mm-hmm. in some way or right? yeah. engaged, not engaged. Yeah. I think, I think mindless to mindful. Also, I think, um, I mean, there'd be so many ways to think about that. Like what if someone with low self-esteem doesn't feel like their post is worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And so they're on there creating, and then you wouldn't know which was the cause and the fact. Here, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Again, there's those additional variables. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, the next one just says, um, this is a really interesting one in my opinion too, is that the trust of others and close family relationships are confounding variables that mediate the negative effects of social media. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it finds like, uh, if they begin to find a correlation, sometimes there's these other variables that can mediate the effect of that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a, like a buffer is that? Yeah. 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 Essentially. Um, what's the, it's mediating and moderating. Moderating. Yeah. yeah. Mediating's environment and moderating it or no mediating's explanation and moderating's environment. I think. Is that right? Okay. I can't remember. (laughs) Dr. Martin would be so impressed with us. He's so pumped. NAU (laughs) y'all. So, um, it shows that girls tend to be more what they defined as addictive. So they use the word addicted and they actually operationally define that. Okay. Um, So girls end up spending more time with social media longer than intended. Okay. So might set out to use it for a period of time, but then find themselves using it much longer Mm -hmm. than that. Or other addictive also uh, descriptors or characteristics, yeah. Okay, yeah. And then this last bullet point for me really speaks to the compulsive nature of social media. Mm-hmm. And, um, how we were describing it earlier is that constant surveillance of social media can be correlated with negative effects. Yeah. That one I threw, I threw in there from this meta-analysis. I think that's important because... Are you getting like lots of questions from parents? Like, what do I do about what do I allow or disallow? Mm -hmm. And this is actually evidence to show that if you go overboard with it, it actually can correlate it with I, which I experienced with teens. Like, if you, if you are like hyper vigilant Mm -hmm. with um, structuring your teen's life, it can have negative effects, Mm -hmm. including with social media, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, how would we wrap this up in a, in a <laughs> nutshell? Man, I think there's a couple of, like, highlights that summarize yeah. what, what we're saying here. One is that social media is built to hijack the brain. So with that dopamine mm. system that you outlined for us and with the ways that it can lean into things like confirmation bias and urgency effect, mm. um, It can draw our attention in ways that we don't intend for. And when we keep doing that, we can build in behaviors and habits that are having effects that we're not aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Blammo. And I imagine we'll probably maybe go into a little bit of a, what's the function of keeping us on the screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Next one for me, this, this is kind of hard for my black and white brain, Dan. Mm -hmm. 
um, there are findings that suggest both positive and negative effects yeah. with social media use. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, yeah. that's the problem with you and me is actually we allow too much nuance. Yeah. We're, we're too, too much okay gray. with the gray. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the reality is the social science research show, shows that there are positive effects and there are negative effects. Yeah. Which for me, I think that's the reality with much of everything. Um, social media may have a prominent influence right now, which makes it salient to consider specifically. Mm-hmm. But I think it leads to the last bullet point. It yeah. may be qualitatively how you use the thing and when you're aware, when you can get rid of blind spots to whether you're being in- affected in ways that you're not aware of. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That, that word that you used for one of the bullet points earlier is uh, investment. Yeah. Like what's the investment you make in it from like a cognitive attentional standpoint? Yeah. 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 And is it adding to, or is it taking away from, and there's going to be qualitative nuance differences between and amongst people. Yeah. Um, so then that sets us up for our last episode in the social media series. Come on. What, what can our, uh, listener in Poland and, uh, Iowa and all of our listeners generally, (laughs) what can they expect? We're going to dip into how to qualitatively approach it because there is there is suggestions to that um, can be helpful to dictate what the outcome is for you individually and your Mm. use of social media. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's important to say is there is the potential to be negatively affected by social media. That's a reality. Yeah. And so if you want to be conscientious about not falling into that, Mm -hmm. then there are some specific things you can do. I also think, I guess I should add to that. There are ways that you can be negatively affected by social media that you are consciously unaware of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by those systems that it's hijacking. And yeah. so the being intentional in your use is going to be important to determine whether it's supplemental or detrimental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking that we don't default to health in the virtual environment. Like mm-hmm. it would probably require uh, intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Man, well, this was fun. Blammo. Blammo. Some social meds, some research, some nerdism. Yeah. Man, dudes talking. <laughs> dudes talking. New Rootsing. Oh, man, come on. Yeah. See you back at New Roots next week. Yeah, I'll be there, man. I think it's Arnold Day. Arnold Day. You and me with those five-pound dumbbells. Yeah, man. I do feel like a beast just tossing around that five-pound uh, kettlebell, though. <laughs> I just feel like a boss. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. There is a pattern to when Jesse asks us to get weights, he always asks us to get weights from one end of the yeah. spectrum. Yeah, and they tend to look a lot smaller than the other weights. <laughs> the other weights, yeah, yeah. And the number on them is a lot lower. Yeah. I yeah. don't know what that means, but... I don't know. Yeah. Whatevs. Whatevs. We good. <laughs> Yeah. Well, why don't you take us out by shouting us out? No doubt. You can always check us out on the interwebs. We're at www.beyondflag.com. Flag spelled. F-L-G. And just like we're talking about those social meds, we're also there sometimes. We're on the Instagram, beyond underscore flag. And as we always joke, sometimes kind of on the Twitters. Yeah, look for that notification. Blammo. Take care. Love you. The lucid social science. <laughs> the su- pseudo, pseudo social science. Yeah. Pseudo science of social science. <laughs> You're just trying to social get on those outtakes. Gotta get that outtake. <laughs> oh, Let me just type that in. 19. Yeah, call it. 10.